because I got this book as a like an ebook from the library. I only saw this as a tiny thumbnail. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me on the cover, does the horse have bright blue eyes? I mean, vivid blue eyes. It does. Yes. Is it terrifying? No, sometimes horses have blue eyes. It's not that weird. Do they? Do they? Really? I I feel like I've seen at least a light-eyed horse, and it's not, like, that weird. How often do you see horses? I mean, not that often as an adult, but I am coming to the terms with the fact that I was a horse girl, so, like, some amount of times as a child. (laughs) This is knowledge that I know and treasure about you, Abby. (laughs) It's very good. Horses do occasionally have blue eyes. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, this is. I thought it was. I thought it was a fantasy thing this entire time that I was reading it. Uh, excuse me. I know I just perpetuated this misconception, but it's not a horse. It's a companion. Oh. I mean, yeah, but it's a horse also. <laughs> no, companions are to horses what angels <laughs> what are to angels men. are to humans. <laughs> <laughs> I found that description to be like very it was very like useful description. Like yeah. I, I really felt like I understood. Good. Yeah, that's like, good. Yeah. Um I feel like as a kid I was not great at like knowing that they weren't really just horses. I definitely thought of them as just like a horse that's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, that's way better because I think all horses are my enemy and I hate them. And one time oh, no. I went to Girl Scout horse camp and I thought it would be so great. And then I went there and I saw a horse and I was like, no, sucks. And oh, then no. I refused to ride any of them and I just hung out for a week. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we really have like the full, the full range of horse emotions. <laughs> the full range of horse emotions. Because my horse emotion is completely neutral. I don't. I don't care either way. Well, I'm glad that we've got, you know, I was trying to consider that when I assembled this panel. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm glad I'm here for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's the real reason that Gus is here. We needed someone who was neutral on horses. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you know, I know someone... And they're, boy, are they ever neutral about horses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always describing Gus to my friends, and I'm like, so neutral about horses. Can you believe it? Okay, now we have so much intro banter. <laughs> like, arguably far too much. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Valdemar Recall. The show where we reread the Mercedes Lackey books and yell about them, I guess. <laughs> Grace came up with that great podcast name. <laughs> um, I'm Abby and my pronouns are she, her. Oh, I'm Grace and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Gus and my pronouns are they, them. Gus is also here. We made Gus come to this. <laughs> Which, you know, like... Kind of like I'm. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here with my friends who I love. It's Aww. great to hang out with you. But uh, also, I read thirty five percent of this book. <laughs> I'm on chapter five. <laughs> yeah. So Gus, um, they will be providing color commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I looked up 
some horse fat (laughs) just for this very exciting irrelevant there are no horses in this book they're all companions (laughs) well i didn't realize that because i didn't finish this book i see yeah hard to tell from the first bit that it's not a regular horse the part the part where it like talks in her mind and babies in her (laughs) It, it could be a regular horse that's just magic in addition to being a horse. <laughs> and it's not that's a regular, not a regular horse. horse. I mean, I guess you can argue, though, that it is still a horse. <laughs> right, if we're talking, like, on a genetic level or something. I mean, I bet that companions, like, if you could do DNA testing in this fantasy world, <laughs> I bet they would have horse DNA. <laughs> Maybe not. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> do you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So, right, the structure of this episode is we're going to go through kind of our regular segments for reading a book, but very quickly, because we assume that most of you haven't read this book, and that's not really our primary goal here. And then we're going to have a potentially mildly spoilery section in, like, the back half of the episode that's going to be about discussing the genre of romantic fantasy and how it fits in with Tamara Pierce's books. Okay, so... We can go into first adventure here. Um, Our background with the Mercedes Lackey books varies widely. (laughs) So we can give that, but let's also answer the question that we got a couple episodes back uh, asking to learn more about us and how our experiences intertwine with the Tamara Pierce books, what makes you read the books in a certain way, how the books influence your daily lives, and most importantly, what are your favorite animals? That's so many questions, oh my god. (laughs) Just say, like, some stuff about you. Yeah, just introduction to you, and also what's your favorite animal. How about, Gus, you start, because mine will be the most, like, direct segue into talking about Mercedes Lackey. That is a very good point. Alright, so, my experience with the Mercedes Lackey books actually goes back quite a ways. (laughs) You know, as opposed to what Abby was saying. Thank you, Abby. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in fourth grade, uh, my best friend, um, her mom's had a bunch of these books at their house, but they were, quote unquote, too grown up for us to read because we were in fourth grade. So my impression of these books for years and years and years was just that they were books that were too old for me and that polyamorous queer women read. And that has not been disproven by this book. (laughs) No, and nor will it be. Nor will it be. I read some summaries on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and your sort of background in general and with Tamara Pierce? Yeah, with the Tamara Pierce books. uh... Oh, the really important thing that we need to get out on the air of this episode is that we are all from Minneapolis. (laughs) We are the (laughs) Minneapolis crew. (laughs) Not the whole podcast, this delegation. Yes. Minneapolis delegation. Minneapolis podcast. We can fit in, let's try to fit in as many Minneapolis, like, Easter eggs as possible. Okay. Cool. What's my deal? What's my deal? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Probably most of what my, like, lens is, is that I read a lot of queer science fiction and fantasy, and I read very little else. (laughs) (laughs) I have grown up, like, reading a lot and considering myself to be a reader, but really, I just read a bunch of gay stuff. What were some of the other questions? What's your favorite animal? What's my favorite animal? My favorite animal is cats. Cats are the best. I love them. They're my friends. My favorite My favorite animal is my cat, Kaz. He's adorable. We named him after Kazool from um, Dealing with Dragons. If you've read Dealing with Dragons, you know it's like the best book in the world. That's true. 
This is going to be a very homogenous episode because I'm a little... Well, Grace, I don't know what your favorite animal is, but I do know that you own a cat that you love very much. I do. Oh, (laughs) I should say I'm one of the very few people who never studied linguistics. Oh, yes. That's also part of my background. One of two on this podcast. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, Grace, do you want to go? Alright, I'm going to do about me first. Uh, So, I'm Grace. I said that part already, uh, but I'm the babyest Tortle Recall podcaster because uh, I'm still doing my undergrad uh, in linguistics, um, and my favorite animal is cats, specifically my cat Fig, um, who lives with me here in Minneapolis. I'm also the only part of the Minneapolis contingent that lives in Minneapolis. That's true, and it's upsetting. A real accolade for me. Um, because everyone who has ever lived in Minneapolis just wants to live here. Again, I assume. I mean, based off our N of two, I think accurate. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, uh, what else about me? I read a lot of speculative fiction, so I'm, like, always really happy to talk about that. Um, I would say, like, I especially like magical realism, um, as, like, a personal fave yeah, I feel like in general your your reading tastes are a little bit more like literary fiction than the rest of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I read a, a, quite a bit of literary fiction or like contemporary fiction. I also really like fantasy. I just oh, so I will neatly go into talking about um, Mercedes <laughs> Lackey by very spending this long talking about how I'm going to talk about it now. <laughs> I uh, have felt really shut out of. Uh, fantasy and science fiction for a long time because I don't like the kind of fantasy and science fiction that I think gets a lot of um, attention, which is like super hard sci-fi or hard fantasy where it's like literally one of my best friends reads them all the time. We just went on a road trip together. She brought a phone book on this road trip, you guys. She reads like Brandon Sanderson. (laughs) It's not my deal. Uh, And so for a long time, I felt like I was like somehow like not dedicated enough or smart enough to like get fantasy or enjoy fantasy um and I was sad because when I was a kid that was like that was my brand um (laughs) it was like my favorite thing and in particular uh Tamara Pierce as I've talked about was like a real signpost for me of like this is what I enjoy and so then when I grew up and I was like I guess I just don't like grown-up fantasy um because I couldn't find anything I enjoyed um and I didn't want to read those other books and there's nothing wrong with them if that's what you enjoy but it's not what I enjoy um and then my friend Abby you guys might know her um (laughs) never heard of her uh she was like hey Grace you should read this book and she gave me one of the vows and honor books and it took me a little while to get through but once I got it I like loved I was just like oh I'm coming home like it's (laughs) I'm back like I love it I felt like so comfortable and like Still, I've been reading Mercedes Lackey for, like, about a year. I think I read my first book of hers about a year ago, and she's such a prolific author, and I don't have to have read a book of hers before to pick it up and be know that it will be, like, comforting and be um, fun to read and be something that I'm, like, happy to be reading and feel, like, that homecoming feeling of, like, here I am in fantasy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing that you get that feeling of, like, comforting from it because you know i mean i do but these books are so much my childhood same as tamara pierce right and i feel like um 
yeah, they were not my childhood. I didn't, I don't think I had heard of Lackey as an author uh, until you gave me the book, Abby. But um, I just like, I do get that feeling of like, okay, here we are. <laughs> like, uh, I'm happy to be back. Awesome. Yeah. No, if it, if there's anything that's going to be my legacy, it's getting every member of this podcast to read Mercedes Lackey. Yeah. It's kind of like, like if you, like, if your parents have already moved out of your childhood home, like, you're still happy to come back to your neighborhood. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't actually relate to that at all, because this is my childhood home, not where I am now. Mercedes Lackey. <laughs> <laughs> but right, so... I mean, it's hilarious to me that, um, Gus, you said that your earliest exposure to Mercedes Lackey was being in, like, fourth grade and having someone tell you that that they were too grown up for you. Because, like, on one hand, yes, they absolutely were. (laughs) On the other hand, I was absolutely reading these books in fourth grade. (laughs) Here's the thing. I, maybe, yes, but also I was definitely reading things that were, uh, more grown up than this in fourth grade. I mean, yes. This this series, it starts off with kind of, like, middle grade vibes with, you know, Talia's 11 and she's going on an adventure. It does contain a fair amount of both sex and torture, so, like, heads up for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not this first book, but the series. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so I'm Abby. I'm from Minnesota. I am another linguist who's on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I also have a degree in math, so that's unrelated mostly but also true about me (laughs) i don't know i'm kind of maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum from grace in that i'm a i'm a real kind of sci-fi person i think i mean i i read a lot of stuff but you know throughout my childhood i read a lot of uh this kind of thing i you know tamara pierce i loved mercedes lackey so much as a kid and as an adult (laughs) but you know i also read like you know, Isaac Asimov, Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke. Heinlein's, like, real bad, you guys. Do not read (laughs) Robert Heinlein. Um, he's, like, you know, very sexist and racist, and also I don't think his books are very good, so just to be clear. (laughs) I mean, sometimes they're okay, but, like, it's not worth it. (laughs) But, um, reading those was a big part of my childhood, too, so I've consumed many kinds of genre fiction and continue to do so, but none of them resonate with me as much as this sort of romantic fantasy thing. Tamara Pierce and Mercedes Lackey. They're just good worlds to hang out in, I feel like, in comparison to so much of um, speculative fiction. (laughs) Shout out to my aunt and cousin for giving me Arrows of the Queen when I was like nine. (laughs) That's good. Adulting, probably. Okay, so, um, Gus, I assume that you would not like to do a plot summary of this book? I could summarize the first third of this book. Okay, go for it. (laughs) Go. Okay, Talia is 13. She lives in a very abusive society. Uh, uh, they try to marry her off to somebody, and then she runs away, and then a companion who is a magic horse finds her. I'm going to say magic horse. Don't tweet at me. (laughs) Tweet at them. (laughs) (laughs) And takes her to the magic school, which is in the capital. And then she meets the queen, who is also a herald. There are heralds. (laughs) She wants to be a herald. And if you're a herald, you have a companion magic horse. And she also meets the queen's daughter, who is 
very spoiled. Makes a lot of sense. So we can briefly talk about Mercedes Lackey is an incredibly <laughs> prolific author, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but uh, a bunch of her books are in this same universe, the Valdemar universe. Abby mm-hmm. says Voldemort. No, I don't say Voldemort. Like, I don't say it like <laughs> it's Voldemort. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we don't believe in standardized pronunciations uh, That's in true. this podcast. But the, this universe, the central conceit, is basically that the justice system of the universe. So not in this universe, just in this kingdom, Voldemort. Yes, in the kingdom. Oh, right, because there are books in the neighboring kingdoms. Uh, so yeah. there is, like, these magical horses slash horse angels that go out and pick children or sometimes <laughs> they, adults. Yes, they pick, like, worthy people who yeah. they telepathically soul bond with. <laughs> and then they bring them back and they get trained in a school. And then they learn to be, like, much like a knight. You know, they they rove the kingdom. They dispense mm-hmm. justice uh, and things like that. So it's a, a good mix of things that are much like the things that happen in Alana, where it's, like, a school book, but there's other fantasy elements right yeah like gus said talia gets chosen by a companion so she starts training to become a herald and she does you know various classes and she also uh she's she's special even more special than other people who get horse soul bonds in that she is the queen's own herald so that means she's like hmm much like the king's champion, almost, <laughs> in that she's, like, a special herald who's close to the the monarch. Except she's, like, destined to be, as opposed to, like... Yeah, she's not yeah. just picked. She's Well, she's picked by the horse, not by the she's queen. She's not just chosen, she's capital C chosen. Yes, yes. correct. Yes. The, mag- the most magic magic horse picks her. Yeah. So, right, she's training to become a herald, and she's also, like... She's gaining friends, and she's gaining a relationship with the queen, and she's also um, trying to de-spoil the heir in the hopes that the the queen's daughter will be able to be chosen by a companion and will thus be able to succeed her on the throne. Uh, and also she, like, struggles with imposter syndrome and shyness and bullying and stuff. But ultimately, she succeeds. Good summary. Cool. Good teamwork. Yeah, so that's what's up. I mean, it is very much like uh, Alana-y. I I think that this is just something that middle grade young adult audiences especially, but also just everyone, like, really goes wild for is these, you know, fantasy or genre book settings where it's like, it's a magic world, but there's, like, rules to it, and you get, you know, separated into the group that you are, and then you, like, wear a color based on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because they're all, there are houses at this school, or, but they're not. They're, like, um, it's like a trade school. There's vocations. They're on different tracks, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. right, there's the heralds, and then there are bards who wear red, and healers who wear green, and then miscellaneous people who wear blue. <laughs> <laughs> the Hufflepuffs, you might say. Except for that they're all the bullies. Except they're the yeah. bullies and they're mean, yeah. Hufflepuffs are never bullies. Yeah, but there are a lot of things that... <laughs> Just gonna um, let that statement go in I guess. 
I agree. Uh, what about Zachariah Smith? He was kind of an asshole. Oh, or Ernie McMillan, kind of a jerk. No, he was just a jerk. He wasn't a boy. <laughs> Should we expose how deeply we all know the Harry Potter <laughs> I mean, I feel like that almost goes without saying, based on all of our bios just being, wow, we really love to read fantasy. That's true. In almost every other setting, would I be embarrassed that I know the name and character description of Ernie McMillan? Yes! <laughs> Look, we've already referenced Witch Please, like, three times on this podcast. I feel like they know. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of things about this book that are just charming and beautiful. Can we talk about them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of things I like about Mercedes Lackey's writing style that I think are fairly unique, even in her genre. And one of them is that uh, Lackey, like, picks to do this, like, super close third person. Like, really, like, some of the closest third person I've ever read, where it's super intimate. And she writes emotions so well. Um, and they fit really well into the book, but they also, like, make you feel like you know Talia for me by, like, the end of chapter two. I'm like, yes, I love her, I know her, um, and you get her emotions, so you're really, like, on the emotional journey with her. Going mm-hmm. into that, one thing I love about this book is that it's a book that's about emotions and relationships, and, uh, this is my shit, you guys. I don't like swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like this is actually a great segue into Social Justice Corner, because- yeah. One of the biggest differences between Talia and Alana is that Alana's biggest skill is sword fighting, and Talia's biggest skill is emotional intelligence. Right. It's like her superpower. <laughs> it, it literally is. All of them have a superpower, and hers is empathy. Like, it's beautiful. I love it. Oh my it. gosh, I love her. Yeah, just in the last episode I was on, which I guess is two episodes ago, I think, based on our release order, Kelly and I were talking about how... You know, the the chosen one narrative is kind of classically a uh, a narrative about doing male-coded things like fighting. And I think that's a big reason that Talia's story resonated with me a lot more as a kid mm-hmm. than Alana's story, was that it's a, a chosen one narrative where she's the special important one who has to, like, do things. But what she has to do is, you know, her skills are, right, emotional intelligence is literally her superpower. Her skills are building relationships, making other people feel, you know, better about themselves, and also secondary, cooking and cleaning and childcare. Those are the right. things that she's great at, and that's super valued. Yeah, it's it's never belittled in the narrative. Like, that is how she is a hero in her book, and I yeah. love that. Um, and also she's great at yeah. horseback riding. <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, to talk about it in more of, like, a social justice corner way, mm-hmm. like, it's a much more, um, it's, it's a much better representation of, like, virtues that's not gendered. Like, it's not, it does address that there are more male heralds than female, which I don't know why. Yeah, that's a question that we could really delve into, except I think we should... We don't have the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, there is... It's a group that's not monolithically male, and the majority of people that she is close to are uh, women, which is really cool. There are so many good female characters in this book and, like, mentors and stuff. There's so many good women. Like, personally, I could talk about this a lot, but, like, I'm someone that, like interacts with gender like just in a really feminine way and I've been that way all the way growing up and like I was never anything approaching a tomboy as you may be able to tell from how often I talk about hating to do things like horses swords (laughs) thinking it would be cool and chill to do things like embroidery (laughs) Um, I mean this is like really pales in comparison to the uh, alienation that a lot of people feel when they read books that 
exist in the world. But uh, I did feel like somewhat alienated reading fantasy because I didn't see female protagonists who got to be recognized for their femininity. And since that's that's what I got, <laughs> like <laughs> I wanted to see it uh, more valued. And I, this is a book that I wish I could like send back and read when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, she's not even the most intensely feminine, but just the fact that her strengths are, you know, she's never strong because she's masculine, you know? Yeah. Um, and the focus of the book is so much on relationships and especially relationships between female characters. I I just really love this book a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And um, And some of the places where it does fail in respect to feminism are coming from this same place where it's like it's it's a pretty second wave feminism book yeah we should mention that it was published i think very close to when the first alana book was published like 1987 i believe yeah it's a really contemporary uh but yeah. it starts out in this society like culture within the the uh kingdom which that alone like the fact that it's not a monolithic culture that's something that really bothers me in a lot of fantasy so i was like thrilled i was like oh cool a separate group distinct yeah. values um but uh it starts out with her living in a society that's really prescriptive about gender and gender roles then she goes on to be in a society that's a lot less gendered in the way that it it talks yeah. about different skills and values yeah, the the other thing um, with respect to, like, feminism that I wanted to mention in this, not even really feminism, but just one of my favorite things in this book is that right at the beginning, the activity that she does, she loves to read and she loves to write, mentally yes. write self-insert fanfic where she puts herself <laughs> in the story and it's so wonderful. Uh, it's great. Can we talk briefly about social justice, like, going forward in the series? Um, why don't we save that for, like, a spoiler section at the end? Cool. Mm -hmm. I have a question about a thing that so far uh, bothered me in this book. Yes. Yeah. Which is that when Talia meets, what is, what is the, the heir's name? I don't know. Elspeth. Elspeth. When she meets the heir, her, like, go-to, like, how to, like, make a kid not be spoiled is, like, spanking. Mm. Yeah. And, like, for a book where the main character comes from, a, like, a fairly, like, abusive situation, that was, like, interesting to me. Because, like, you know, the ways in which we're brought up and the ways in which we are, like, disciplined as children are often things that we don't question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good framing for it, um, that she was yeah. brought up that way. I mean, I also think that the fact that spanking is not really treated as a problem in this book is kind of because it's a product of its time. But I also think it's really interesting that spanking is okay, but clearly the level of physical abuse that Talia gets from her family is not okay. So you have to draw right. that line somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think yeah. the book really effectively engages with that or takes the time to engage with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. not that I can really think of. Yeah, and I guess it is helpful for us to bring up because if you have not read this book before, listener, and that would be something that would be difficult for you to read about, you should know that it's in there. Let's talk a little bit about queer stuff in this book. Ah, there's queer stuff in this book. For real! There's queer stuff in it. For real, you <laughs> there's guys! There's queer stuff in this book! Like, page one. Not page one, but definitely chapter one. There's queer stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, mm -hmm. wow. 
What a time. Wow. (laughs) I will say, without getting too far into spoilers for the rest of the universe, most of the queer characters are pretty sad. (laughs) However, also, many of the characters in general are pretty sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They are sad. I thought of one that I thought wasn't sad, and then I remember she is sad. A lot of them are sad. And this, that's really a thing, though, that is very much a product of its time. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that you really, before a certain point, couldn't publish queer characters who weren't sad. Yeah. And I really think, actually, we can talk a little bit more about the the end game for various queer characters when we get to the spoilery part of this podcast. I think it's even more evident in her actual series about an angsty gay boy. Uh, <laughs> the That's the Magic's Price, Magic's Promise ones. Uh it's even more evident that, like, just, it's hard to have a queer relationship end happily in this time period. Are you saying writing time period or fictional? <laughs> I mean the time that she was writing them in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, in this fantasy land, queer relationships can end however. But the way they do end is sad. Oh, the other thing that I did want to mention that's just sort of vaguely related to queer is... Sorry, can't swear. Queer stuff is the thing that's, you know, not queer, but that just warmed my heart as sort of in relation to queer narratives is how much Talia's story is. Her family is abusive and they don't understand her. So she leaves and she finds this wonderful new family of people who do understand her and love her and care about her. And that's great. I love it. That's my favorite kind of story. It's a really good kind of story. It's my favorite kind of story, too. Okay, right. I have two more things to say just really quickly. One is Talia is a commoner protagonist, unlike Alana, which is interesting, but we'll we'll see more of that in the future Tamara Pierce books that we talk about. Um, And the other thing is that she does not really engage with race or imperialism issues at all that I can think of. So, you know, on one hand... She's not, she doesn't say very problematic things about them, but on the other hand, she's just not trying to say anything, so I don't know if that's, yeah. you know, better or worse. That's something I think we could get into a lot more if we were doing, like, a full Mercedes Lackey series, but I don't really think we need to talk about it in depth here. Right. And I will say, uh, like, I have not been, like, the most vigilant for this in other books of hers that I've read, uh, but I, she's not writing a racially homogenous society, um, and she does in the future have people from Valdemar interact with different countries and there's some engagement with that. Right, and there's definitely different ethnicities and sort of, like, racism along those lines. Also, Vows and Honor does have a black protagonist, explicitly black, so that's cool. Although I also think that, you know, if we were going to talk about that, I'm sure there's questionable race things that we could talk about a lot. Right, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, I would just say, like, based on only the book we've read, we don't have that much to talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, But that doesn't mean that we're not willing to discuss it, I guess. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if listeners are interested, they can contact us. Yeah, if you tweeted us, we will talk about it. Now, we get to a section which, honestly, somehow even more appropriately named for this series than for Tamara Pierce, Queen's Riders for Friendship. (laughs) It's really good, you guys. The friendship, it's good. Yeah. I only barely got to the friendship part of this book, and I already (laughs) love it. Like, she's, like, barely interacted and met, like interacted with and met like a couple people and they're so nice to her they're so nice and accepting and they just want to that 
a, you know, a big arc that she has in this book is, like, learning that they really care for her, but, like, everyone just cares about her so much. Uh, it's so wonderful. I guess, like, we could pull individual friendship moments, but uh, it might take a long time and be not that relevant, but, like, in general, just, like, there are wonderful friendships. I really like Talia's friendship with uh, Selene is, like, my favorite. It's really good. Because she's mentored by a woman, but then, like, as she grows up, they become such equals, mm-hmm. and she's, like, a really trusted advisor and confidant, um, and then they kind of, like, become family very much. Yeah. Yeah, I think a, th- a thing that in general is really, really strong in this series is um, female friendships that are, uh, you know, sort of mentorships or, like, friendships between teenagers and adult women and that kind of thing, which I think is... I, I really like good, like, modeling of friendship across generations. It's really nice. And she has a lot of that. Yes, definitely. Right, Selene and then Cheryl, and Cheryl's only a little bit older than her, but um, Karen mm-hmm. and Karen's partner, whose name I don't really know how to pronounce. It starts with a Y. Um, yeah, no, no guess. Elsa? How's it spelled? Y-L-S-A. Yeah, probably. Y L. I say, Il- yeah, Ilsa. I think in my head I thought Isla. Hey, fantasy, could you have less Ys? <laughs> hey, fantasy, could you <laughs> chill out for a second with the names? <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, her friendship with Skiff, I also really like. I love Skiff so much. Yeah, it's just like a really beautiful friendship, and um, Mercedes Lackey does such cool things with not putting relationships in one box, yeah. and also like having people communicate about their relationships, which is something that needs to be modeled like 110% more like in the world. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So like Skiff and Talia have a lot of different kinds of relationships and they consistently talk about that and like what they want from each other and how they can help each other and why they matter to each other. And I think that that's Aww. all really wonderful. And I uh, I just love it. And I just think that that like continues. I mean, it's definitely something I want to bring up. Um, when we talk about the series as a whole. Yeah, let's, so we're almost at Spoiler Town. I think the last thing to say before we get to Spoiler Town is yeah. literally every character in this book has a best friend who's a horse that they can mind yeah. read. And that's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful animal friendship. Don't you wish you had a telepathic horse that could just hang out with you? I want that, and I don't even like horses. I'm the horse-dislike representative. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about that beyond it's wonderful and everyone deserves a best friend who's a telepathic magical horse. I'll write that down. Next birthday. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to just say, what did I want to say? Oh, I love the fantasy worlds. We didn't do very, very fast linguistics at all. I just wanted to- No, we didn't. Did I say worlds? I meant words. Um- but they say nooning instead of noon and childing instead of child, and it's completely absurd. And I so I it. think they say nooning instead of lunch, but um, it's oh, good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Regardless. It's cute. Yeah, it's got very good, like, just little markers yeah. of, like, did you forget it's fantasy? Here's a funny word. Yeah. I can't believe, so this, instead of using the word child, although I think they also use the word child, they've got little childing and youngling. <laughs> Cause I did. I don't like youngling. <laughs> I that, I don't like that. One. I have great affection for youngling, largely because of the Star Wars prequels. God, <laughs> it's a bad word, but I love it. 
Yeah, it's goofy. It's real goofy. Okay, so before we get into, like, any of the variety of things that we're going to talk about, I just wanted to throw out a couple genre definitions so that people know what terms we're using. Yeah, good call. Thank you. Uh, So the first one is the most relevant one, which is romantic fantasy, which this book is clearly in. Tamara Pierce, a lot of her stuff, I would say, is romantic fantasy, but it's more tangential to the genre, I think, partially because it's, you know, middle grade or YA, and she just does some of her own stuff also. But anyway, romantic fantasy is a subgenre of fantasy, high fantasy usually, that is focused primarily on relationships, both personal and political. Um, And it tends to feature, you know, mostly fundamentally good characters, positive stories, people working together to create, you know, egalitarian societies as much as they can. Um, It often has magic that's spiritual or based in nature. It It tends to have characters that are not primarily warriors. It does tend to be pretty into monarchies which a lot of fantasy is, but because it's generally fairly progressive and feminist and stuff, it has (laughs) a lot of what we see in this series, which is monarchies that are, like, magically, it's okay that they're monarchies because they're good because of magic. (laughs) Um, And this genre, I think, emerged in the 70s and 80s, um, with female fantasy writers. Mercedes Lackey is one who really codified the genre, but also Anne McCaffrey, Marion Zimmer Bradley, um, and Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea series are part of it, among others. And then I also just wanted to briefly define sword and sorcery, because I think <laughs> I doubt that we will not talk about Tarma and Catherine mostly. So sword and sorcery is, I think, an older genre than romantic fantasy, The term was coined in 1961, but it's a pretty old type of fantasy, which is, I mean, it's kind of like the the classic D&D story of you've got your, like, little adventuring party, and they go around having adventures that are fairly low stakes, but often personally important for the characters. Um, It's more action-y. I don't really have that much else to say about that one. It's a broader genre, but I think it's notable because a lot of romantic fantasy people also wrote in this genre. Notably, Mercedes Lackey had vows and honor, as we've already referenced several times, because we're not great <laughs> at sticking to one thing. Um, but also, Marion Zimmer Bradley did the sword and sorceress anthologies, which are notable yes. for being feminist sword and sorcery. Uh, so yeah, those are what those terms mean. Um, are we ready? Yeah. For spoiler town. Are we ready, kids? Yeah. So, there'll be some music, and then afterwards, it'll be a section which I guess, for the most part, spoiler town is going to be very mild spoilers for various Mercedes Lackey and almost zero spoilers for Tamara Pierce. We're in spoiler town, Gus. Look around. It's beautiful. <laughs> I guess you're right. I have the following thoughts. Um, wouldn't Tarma and Catherine's like setup be an awesome conceit for a and d campaign? Thank you. Um, and <laughs> the- <laughs> yes, actually, can we just play that? <laughs> yeah, I think I numbered them one and B, but B, 
Um, (laughs) Something really cool that I've seen that I think comes actually from, it's like a contemporary thing, but um, I've seen Karma and Kethri, uh, Vaz and Honor, defined as sword and sorceress as like a separate genre, a genre coming away from sword and sorcery. And I know that there was like a zine running uh, in the 70s, I believe, and or 80s. Um, And so I think that's really cool. Yeah, the sword and sorcerer anthology. So yeah, I think that you, that's, I mean, it's not like a super like, big or codified genre, but yeah, I think there there's a yeah. lot of feminist-leaning sword and sorcery, and you can call that sword and sorceress, which is fun. Which I love. I just wanted to talk about that. Also, yeah, we should uh, mention for anyone who's unfamiliar, the Vows and Honor series is about platonic life partners, Tarma and Kethri. Tarma is a black woman who's very good at swords and horses, and then Kethri is a uh, woman who is a sorceress of some kind, uh, and she has a sword that, it's a magic sword that it forces her to help out women in need, so they just run around helping out women in need, and it's wonderful. I need to read those books. They're really They're wonderful. good. There's also a magic wolf that I'm disappointed didn't come into your summary. There is a magic wolf friend that they have. Oh my god. Yeah, and like, uh, as is the convention in the sword and sorcery novels, our sword and sorcerer is, uh, they are like super episodic and they kind of just like go from one thing to another mm-hmm. um, in these little like missions. And they are great, really fun reads. Oh my gosh, and there's also so much good found family content as they go on. It just fills my heart with joy. (laughs) Yes, yeah, their relationship is just, like, amazing, so nice to read, and really fun, and um, it's, like, notably a book with a sexual representation. That's true. Like, Tarma, not interested in relationships. It's cool. And it's just, it's a great book, and so I think, um, I, like, was thinking about I was like jotting down like if you are somebody who has is wondering where to start with Mercedes Lackey, I'm sure we've given you an idea of like what these various series are about. But I would say either well, I mean mostly those we two. She about. has a bunch more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Like the two that we talked about are like respectively wonderful starting points if you're coming from like a Tamora Pierce type of place. Um. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of depends on which is more appealing to you. But um. Yeah, Vazanada would be a great place to start with Mercedes Lackey as well, I think. And we didn't talk about it this time, even though we love it a lot, because (laughs) it's just not quite as close to to Alana, so not as applicable. Yeah, no, definitely Talia's story is the the most close that um, Mercedes Lackey gets to exactly being Alana. But right, I mean, I think the differences are really interesting when you're sort of trying to define what romantic fantasy is as a genre, because... You know, they're so similar in so many ways. They're, they've got this, like, school story element, um, and it's about, you know, this misunderstood girl from the country who comes to the capital and befriends royalty and, you know, trains to be a cool person um, <laughs> and gets really good at it. But, um, yeah, like, the framework is identical. It's, yeah. like, so similar. But, right, I mean, Alana, as we've said... Her primary skill is sword fighting, and also her primary goal is to go out into the world alone and have adventures and, you know, bring back treasure. And she does, over the course of her series, realize that she likes having friends around also. <laughs> um, but it's it's a very different arc from um, Talia, whose really her main goal is to find friends, find a family 
you know, build a strong relationship with the queen and the heir. Like, it's just very, very similar in sort of premise, but there are there are differences which make uh, Talia's story distinctly more romantic fantasy, I think. Yeah, I, I think a good, um, like, case study moment would be, so uh, the Heirs of the Queen series also has a middle book in which the protagonist goes out into the world. Uh, but unlike <laughs> Alana's book, in which she has adventures, Talia uh, spends like a substantial portion of the book snowed in with a person who's important to her, and then they have to have a lot of discussions about their relationship. <laughs> um, and yeah, she does have a relationship with her teacher there, like a you know romantic one, but it's like not even a thing. Don't worry about it. Right. It's like, it's very good. One thing that's really cool about Mercedes Lackey is like, the way that she talks about sex is really unique. And it's really cool. And it's about communicating with partners. And yeah. Yeah. Wait, before we go further down this road, Gus, do you want to guess which character you've already met? That Talia ends up with permanently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'll never guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Dirk, the ugly Harold she meets on the road at the beginning. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty obvious because she definitely, like, said that he was ugly. <laughs> she has like three romantic relationships, much like Alana. But exclusively consensual sex, unlike Alana. Thank you, Mercedes Thank Lackey. Thank you so much, Mercedes Lackey, for all the <laughs> consent that happens. <laughs> love that consent, love the communication. <laughs> yeah, her and Skiff is so much fun because, I mean, right, it's the same thing as the Alana-Liam relationship where, um... yeah. Yes, let's actually, like, talk, like explain them, because it's so yeah, cute. Yeah, it's so cute and funny. Uh, <laughs> they just, So, Talia and her friend Skiff are, you know, Harold trainees together, and they sort of got some romantic vibes going on, so they decide to, like, act on that, and they keep trying to, like, find places and times to hook up, and they just keep failing because they're both really busy and tired, and they just fall asleep a lot. It's like college, you guys. It's like dating in college. It so much is. And so then they just decide, like, well, I guess this wasn't meant to be, but we're still best friends forever. I love it. Yeah, it's really cute. Uh, it's extremely cute. Because they communicate about their relationship, they both have agency. Uh, like her second relationship, uh, in chronologically in the book is someone that she like her teacher, but they're they're close in age and they have I would say like a fairly equal footing relationship. Mm -hmm. And on their time in the road, they basically like have sex together because it's like a valuable form of intimacy for them, and it like makes them feel like connected and they enjoy it. And like that is how it is talked about in the book. They like talk about how they don't have romantic feelings for each other, and it's just like there's communication. <laughs> like it's yeah. not like sex and romance, like always together. And then like combining that with Mercedes Lackey, like writing a character who is asexual and like although i as long as we're like bringing that up i should point out that tarma is not perfect asexual representation no, because her asexuality is connected to trauma and also many things but we're not getting into that right now <laughs> right but like she just writes like sex and relationships in a way that is really um deep and uh yeah. wide like very detailed which is cool 
Yeah, she writes so many different kinds of relationships. I mean, really, really deep, important friendships, and then, right, you know, um, Talia and Chris is a really close, intimate, platonic relationship with a sexual element, and then, you know, yeah, Talia and Skiff is, like, could have been romantic, ended up not being, and now they're just, like, family. Because they kept falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's all just really good. Yeah, and I think that that possibility is opened up by the romantic fantasy genre that mm-hmm. more so even than like i would say the convention is more so towards this than even con- contemporary fiction which contemporary fiction like often also about relationships but romantic fantasy is about relationships that are emotional and that are like full and um really gives them time and importance and weight and i just like mm-hmm. think that that for me that's part of why it's a genre that feels so like comfortable and good to read and I really like it. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's comforting, partially because it's so, like, the basic mechanic of the universe is basically all of the characters have been chosen and thus deemed worthy by a magic horse, and thus we know that they are all good people, so, like, any problems they have are misunderstandings, and they can just work it out if they, like, communicate openly. And, you know, if they mess up the, the country that they're running, it's it's not because they're not trying hard, you know? <laughs> so, so, right, even more than, um, than Tamara Pierce, it's just like, yeah, it's a monarchy, but you can trust that the people in charge are really good people. And, yeah. like, it's not realistic, but it's enjoyable to read. Yeah, like, the... the- way the relationships are written remind me more of uh, Tamara Pierce's Emelon books, which we haven't talked about a lot, but um, mm-hmm. they where they have a lot of focus on relationship. I would say that those books are closer to like a romantic fantasy genre. But um, if, if you have not read Lackey and have read Pierce, that can kind of be more of a signpost, I guess. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these are kids' books, but another thing that would fall pretty clearly in the romantic fantasy genre for me is... Uh, the Dealing with Dragons series. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. Definitely. Yes, and I love those. Yeah. Just because, like, lots of, you know, good people, strong women, communicating, relationships are very central to it. Yeah. There are dragons who are excellent people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel like another big thing in romantic fantasy is, like, intelligent dragons or, like, animal <laughs> friends. Or animals. It's like the connection with nature thing. Yeah. Yeah, Abby, when you were pitching the Mercedes Lackey books to me, like, a year or two ago, mm-hmm. you were talking about romantic fantasy, and you were describing to me what that was, and you were like, it's a genre, and it has magic horses. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I understand what you mean now. <laughs> like, Look, that's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It is what it is. Absolutely. There's the definition, and that's all you need. I have, I have heard someone actually describe romantic fantasy as, you know, a quote-unquote grown-up version of fairy tales that appeal to little girls. Yeah. Where, you know, there's wise queens and enchanted forests and very special magical horses who are your friends. As far as romantic fantasy goes, and also uh, related to uh, Tamara Pierce books, what this book really reminded me of reading it was, um, obviously, you know, there's parallels to the Alana story, but it really reminded me of the Kel books. Yeah. There are also, of course, a lot of parallels between Alana and Kel. Okay. No, okay. but Kel is better, and Talia is also better. So. <laughs> we should have had someone who likes Alana on this episode. 
<laughs> Look, I love Alana. I really do. No, I mean, I do love her, just not as yeah. much as Cal. <laughs> but I mean, like, I know we haven't read the Cal books yet, so I'll be very vague. Um, but, like, I think there's a lot more of a focus on, like, I feel like there's more of a focus on, like, specific friendships and, like, the building of friendships mm-hmm. in those books. I mean, I do think that Cal has more of, like, you know, she's a community builder, so she does yeah, have yeah. much more than Alana is. So so I think there are strong connections there between her and Talia. But she's not a chosen one. Yeah, and, that's true. That's right, true. like you said, Talia is capital C chosen. Right, and Cal is more of, like, a romantic fantasy protagonist, but I don't know if her, like, setup is as much of a romantic fantasy setup. Right. Yeah, partially because Tortal is actually a much more sort of pragmatic world just in general you know i mean we know that that tortal is kind of an empire and has at many times in the past and arguably the present (laughs) had uh you know extremely imperfect and maybe just bad monarchs yeah i don't oh sorry this is a little off topic and i'm not sure if it's like concretely the best place to bring it up but i also wanted to touch on like um, I think it's a hallmark of the romantic fantasy genre that you get to read about a lot of a timeline. You get to like get to know people. You can pick them back up later in their life. They come in, in other people's mm-hmm. stories. So, yeah. You know, I think this may be less of like a romantic fantasy genre thing or even like a fantasy world building genre thing and more just like a Mercedes Lackey has written a ton of books <laughs> thing. Because she's written a ton of books. She really has. Now that we're in Spoiler Town, um, our favorite destination, the last Herald Mage, um, the gays are really sad, you guys. <laughs> They're so sad. I looked up spoilers for the gays. Do, which which gays did you look up spoilers for? All the gays? I don't gays? know their names. No, not all of them. Okay. Is there, are you positing that there would be a Wikipedia page entitled, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come like on, sad gays in Mercedes Lackey? <laughs> I looked on the like Mercedes wet Mer- Mercedes Mercedes wacky. <laughs> that I do think is wrong. I was, I was trying to say the Mercedes Lackey wiki. It's so, a little tricky. Forgive me. I was looking on like the wiki, you know, the fandom wiki, mm-hmm. and I was looking at the page for like the the in universe version of like true love or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have like life bonds. Life bonds. That's the one. So I got some spoilers for, like, there's, like, a woman who dies, but then her partner has a different life bond. Yeah, that's actually in this book. Okay, yeah, so I, I got some, some info about yeah. that. Oh, it's sad. My favorite thing about that is actually that they, when, the, I mean, yes, it's really sad that she dies, but then that you do sort of get a happy ending for the two surviving lesbians. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and they mention in the context, I don't know if there's any actual canon polyamory in this universe. I wouldn't be surprised, but I haven't encountered it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they do mention, in connection to Cheryl and Karen and Ilsa, that there is the possibility of three-way life bonds. So, just Mm -hmm. generally into that. Yeah, so like I said, this is the the like author that if you are a polyamorous queer woman you apparently read and own (laughs) all of her books and keep in your house and then when your fourth grade child, uh, brings friends over you're like well they might be a little bit too old for you but even though their covers are i'm sure very beautiful and enticing to a fourth grader they are yeah they do very much i guess this is just like a hallmark of being 
from before YA, but uh, like the YA distinction, but they look like kids' books. They are um, books that you want to have a real conversation with a kid if you're going to have them read. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think kids should read them. I mean, but... partially it is just what fantasy covers look like. I, like, yeah. lowbrow fantasy, you know? I mean, that's a horrible term to use, but, you know, fantasy that people think of as trashy literature, even though it's great and wonderful. The covers mm-hmm. look like this. Yes. Another good thing about Mercedes Lackey is that all her books are mass market paperbacks, so they fit or have been published a lot as mass market paperbacks, so they both fit in my smallest purse, appreciate that, and also uh, are really easy to find super cheap at thrift stores, and also, like, really, you can't go wrong with Mercedes Lackey, so, like, if you just are, like, another option for I want to start Mercedes Lackey is, like, go to a Savers. Are those regional? I don't know. Uh, go to a thrift store, a Goodwill, if you will, and just buy a book that says Mercedes Lackey on it. This is my whole my whole idea. For <laughs> yeah, you. that was very much my strategy as a kid. Was like, I mean, usually any given bookstore or whatever would only you know have at any given time a couple of them, and it would be random ones. But I would just buy them, and then I actually ended up. You know, I've been reading these since I was a kid, so I would have had time to read, like, a lot of them. But really, I just, like, there's, like, a dozen that I really like, and I just reread those ones over and over again. (laughs) Are these still books that you'll reread, Abby? Yeah, they are. Um, Not as regularly, but yeah, definitely. But again, it kind of tends to be just rereading the ones that I liked, partially because as a kid, I... uh, I started with the Tali books, and then I also got into Vows and Honor, which I love very much. But then I only really wanted to read things that were, like, directly relating to those ones. So I was like, you know, the Storm whatever ones that are about, like, the next generation of religious leaders in Kars, those are far too far removed for me to, like, care about them. I want magic horses, or failing that, I want platonic women friendships going around doing sword and sorcery stuff. My first foray into Mercedes Lackey was that I like committed to 11 books and then I read 11 books uh, (laughs) in very short order. If you like go back on my Goodreads, you can tell the like month and a half when I just read Mercedes Lackey last it's year. It's a good time. It was a really good time. I think I like bothered you a lot because I just wanted you to did, tell you about all of them. You did, but that's good because I've gone so long in my life without having like a Mercedes Lackey friend. Yeah. I, I have a very strong memory of like, I don't know, it must have been when I was quite little, but I was playing with and um, she really wanted to play like that we had demons, I guess, from the Golden Compass, and I really wanted to have a companion, (laughs) Um, but she didn't know what that was, so we did demons, or, like, we we were playing that, but I had a, um, a rabbit stuffed animal that was white, and I just pretended it was a companion, (laughs) secretly. That's really cute. Secretly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wow, you had a whole second game of, of <laughs> yeah, pretend Second going on. layer of game. Only you knew what was going on. Yeah, like, yeah. So I bothered you a lot, but positively, just being like, yeah, hey. It was great. Everyone, also, like, listeners of this podcast should. Please bother us. Yeah, please bother us. Read these books and then tweet at us about how great they are.
Yeah, because they're just so wonderful, and I hope that we've conveyed that as we very yes, ramblingly I think talked we about them for a long probably time. Probably have. That's like most of what we said is just that we love these books. Anyway, I'm ending this podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we'd like to thank our music, which is a cover of Green Sleeves by Zeta, which you can find on their SoundCloud. You can get in touch with us at Tortal Recall on all the social media. We've previously said that you can tweet at us about the Mercedes Lackey books. Yes. You can also email us about the Mercedes Lackey books. We would love that. Because I know not everyone has a Twitter. That's true, like me. Or you can send us a Tumblr ask, which is also tortalrecall.tumblr.com, tortalrecall at gmail.com, tortalrecall.com, at tortalrecall on Twitter. I think that's all of them. Hey, Gus. Yeah. Are you going to read some more Mercedes Lackey? I think so. I'm really excited yeah. about it. I'm really excited for you to read them also. Uh, you should rate and review us on iTunes. Some people have done that. Thank you to those people. <laughs> they have names and monikers and handles they've attached to themselves. <laughs> well, sometimes yeah. not. We've, we've got 23 ratings, but only a few reviews, so if you would like to review us, that would be really nice. Oh, please review us. That would be nice. Yeah, it doesn't have to be long. You can no. just say something. You can yeah. just say how say, we're your favorite good. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're not reading li- a, a list of names this time because it's a bonus episode and because these are going up pretty close together, so we'll be reading names of people who have interacted with us and thanking you on the next podcast, which is going to be coming up probably a week from when this one is released. Um, And that is, we're going to be reading and talking about Wild Magic. And that will be me, Gus, as well as um, Kelly, Shelby, and Amy. Yeah, it's going to be all new, all different. Not really, because you'll be there, but... Um, Amy's gonna be there. Amy's well, yeah, but Amy's new to the book, and then oh, Shelby and Kelly are new to doing book episodes of the podcast. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> wild and magical. <laughs> I hate right. it. I hate I'm really excited for the Dane books. <laughs> I am really excited for the Dane books. Me too. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Cool. Let's stop this podcast now, please, God. <laughs> <laughs> But for us to do that, someone has to say the sign-off. Alright. Until next time, see ya, Valda Macaroni. God, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh my god. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just realized I've been wearing my sock inside out all day. Oh, cool. Wow, this, this is a great so context. <laughs> <laughs>